Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. My daughter Annie recently got a cut on her finger that for some reason really concerned her greatly. And so she insisted upon a strict regimen of band-aids and aquaphor, special prayers at night, and adequate time each morning to examine how quickly the cut was healing. (laughs) A few days passed, and I completely forgot about her finger, but then came the morning when Annie awoke, and I was reminded. She hopped out of bed. She screamed, Daddy! And she ran with glee into the kitchen where I was making breakfast. She stood before me, smiling ear to ear. And very slowly, Annie lifted her arm and extended the injured finger right in front of my face. Now, unfortunately, I cannot demonstrate this gesture or my reaction because it was her middle finger that had been injured. Do you see this, Annie said, her finger in front of my face? Yes. Yes, I do. Just trying to figure out where I'd failed as a father. But then Annie spoke the words that ended my confusion. Daddy, look, my cut. It's been healed forever. And then she said, and I'm beautiful. There's something about those words that in the moment really made me tear up. Perhaps it was the completely non-cynical joy of a child over an everyday miracle, or maybe it was the vulnerability of the moment. For as a dad, I know what Annie does not yet know, that in time, life will cut her in more serious ways, and that healing is usually a lot more complicated. And so I felt such joy that Annie did not know cynicism, and I felt sad because in growing old that one day she would. After all, whenever the women first tell the apostles that Christ is risen, their response is not, the Lord is risen indeed, alleluia. No, they cynically suggest that the women made the whole thing up. That first Easter morn, the apostles did not believe And you know, many a sermon have been preached on why the apostles should have believed, but the fact remains that they didn't. And I think I know why. Their spirits had been cut more deeply than they ever could have imagined. They had left everything to follow Jesus, their families, their home, their work, and this they did because they believed that in Jesus the kingdom of God had arrived. And they were not prepared to see him crucified. Every ounce of hope they had was given to this movement that from their perspective had failed. 
And so when the women invite them to hope again, to believe that Jesus is alive, they can't. Or maybe they can, and they choose not to. And so I wonder if you can recall a time in your life when you were right there with them, when the world had cut your spirit so deeply that cynicism felt safer than hope. And so here's the scandal of Easter. With respect to our cynicism, to our faith or lack thereof, Jesus doesn't care. Now, don't get me wrong. He cares about us, but cynicism, that's our problem, not his. Because according to Luke, having been dead, Jesus walked out of the grave anyway, right back into a world where most people would not believe. Meaning that Easter is not about us, not about our cynicism or about our hope, not about our faith or about our doubt. No, Easter is about God making good on a promise to heal our whole creation by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. This is the bold proclamation around which we gather this morning. We say that the Lord of life was crucified and that three days later he walked out of the tomb fully alive, defeating sin and death forever. It is a pledge that what happened to Jesus will, in God's time, happen to every single one of us. We will walk out of our tomb and death will be destroyed forever. And so Easter, above all, proclaims hope in a future resurrection, a future salvation, a future grand finale to this drama of life that is so wonderful that we can scarcely even imagine it. And to the extent that this hope grabs our heart, the power of God's future can break into our life right now. And when this happens, the cuts we experience in life are not taken away, but they are radically transformed. You know, one of the things that's always struck me about the resurrected body of Jesus is that it still had scars. It was a glorified body, and it was a bruised body. Resurrection did not remove the cuts, but it did make them beautiful. And when the power of Christ's resurrection breaks into our life, those things in our story that previously caused us shame and pain and grief, those deep cuts to our spirit, God does not remove them, but God does start to make them beautiful. There's a priest I really admire by the name of Gregory Boyle. He wrote a great book called Tattoos on the Heart, and he works with gang members in Los Angeles. And I once heard him speak at an event, and he shared a bit about Pablo's story. And growing up, Pablo always wore three T-shirts. And he did this because his mom was physically abusive. And two t-shirts were needed to soak in the blood that flowed from the wounds. That third t-shirt was a cover-up. Pablo's mom wanted nothing to do with him, and so she 
dropped him off at an orphanage when he was nine years old. But because it's all that he knew, he continued to wear three t-shirts all the way into his teens out of habit. And his classmates would laugh at him and tease him for always wearing three t-shirts. And so Pablo, this gang member in recovery, when telling others about his life, he'd get all choked up and he'd begin to sob. But then he'd explain why. I wore three t-shirts, he said, because I never wanted to show people my wounds. I was ashamed of my wounds, and so I did everything I could to hide them. But now I see that to live into my purpose, I need to welcome my wounds. How else will I ever be able to heal other people? Pablo's wounds did not go away, but God did start to make them beautiful. And so I don't know what cuts, what pains, what wounds you bring with you to church today, but I do know that you bring them, and I know that you are in good company, that Christ still has his sacred wounds from the crucifixion, and that one of the first things he did, having been raised from the dead, was show them to his disciples. And I say that because this side of eternity, resurrection will not remove difficult things from our life. But the power of Christ's resurrection can always take what we call ugly and make it beautiful. And so here is my invitation this morning, my invitation to you, my invitation to myself. Pray for grace to become a child again. And from that place, receive the hope of Easter. Hear the proclamation, Christ is alive, and because he lives, your whole life has been redeemed, especially the cuts. One of my favorite quotes comes from the late G.K. Chesterton, who writes, it is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but that he's never gotten tired of making them. It may be that God has the eternal appetite of a child, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. I believe that God raised Jesus on that first Easter morning, and that when our time comes and someone lays us in a tomb, that our Heavenly Father will stand over us as a child, mindful of the day that he rose Jesus from the dead, and that God will say, do it again. I believe that God will stand over the people we have loved and lost, and that God will say, do it again. And I believe that on the last day, with the smile of a three-year-old, that God will look upon the creation previously marred by sin and death, and that God will say, resurrection, do it again. We can leave here today 
thinking it's all an idle tale. But God is persistent. And God is not waiting on us to believe anything before God heals our world. God is too young, too excited. The final resurrection, the restoration of all things, it will happen in God's time and in God's way. And when it does, we will be young again. And we'll run to our Heavenly Father with the glee of a child, smiling ear to ear as if waking up for the very first time. And we'll look at each other and we'll look at the creation and we'll look at God and we'll say, do you see this? Look, our cuts, our mistakes, our sins, our fears, look, we'll say, it's been healed forever. And we're beautiful. Amen.